please remember the views and opinions expressed by this show or any other show on DV Radio and its guests are strictly those of said individuals and do not reflect those of the DV Radio staff nor the staff of dysfunctional veterans. The following includes conversation relating to cryptocurrency. The information provided and discussed is strictly for educational and informational purposes only. Any use of any information is done so at your own risk. DV Radio LLC, as well as the hosts and guests of the show, take no responsibility if you wish to use any of the information in your daily life. Again, the topics discussed are strictly for informational and educational purposes only. I am Chris, the CEO. My name is Paul. I'm the COO. I am Chris, a.k.a. Little Chris, Chief Technical Officer of Affinity Innovations. Our long show, we will talk about Affinity, crypto in general, EFI, blockchain technology, technology, uh, and just talk about anything, whatever the hell we feel like talking about. Get to know us at a more personal level. Babbling nonsense. Is there any cursing <laughs> rules or anything? No, you say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> I think they'd be more worried if you didn't curse. <laughs> show me the money. Show me the money! Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Affinity Protocol once again, right here live on WDVRDVRadio.net and also on Twitch. No Paul tonight. Uh, just so you all know, you won't get to hear, uh, hear from him at all. He's away on a family trip. Hopefully he's enjoying himself, but based on his text messages, yeah, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> but Paul, if you're listening, have fun, man. Relax. Take some time. Do your thing. Uh, but it is myself and Chris. Little Chris is here tonight. Yo. What's up, buddy? What you been up to, man? Did you have a good weekend? Long weekend? Do anything? Long, long weekend. I didn't have no long weekend. Oh, that's true. I mean, yeah. Look, no, nothing. Nah, that's true. Yeah, I worked Monday. Oh, damn. I mean, we always doing some kind of work, but you worked your fully too, huh? Yeah. Damn. That's right, because you hit me up, and I was uh, <laughs> I was uh, on a overnight with the family, and uh, yeah, how'd that go? Uh, it was it was a pretty good time. We went to uh, Six Flags uh, up to, up here, and um, you know, so it was they they call it Fright Fest. I don't know if you've been. You go to Fright Fest at all ever? I've been to the one in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore itself is a Fright Fest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. So I've only been, to, I've been to Six Flags probably like three times in my life. Uh, when I was real young, we went to the one in New Jersey. Uh, and then the one here in Massachusetts, I went, uh, years back. And then we went this past weekend. Um, but it was good. They do Fright Fest. So it's like a show that they do at like 6 p.m. And then they have a bunch of people run around the park trying to scare the living shit out of you. Um, you know, we were there with another family, uh, family friends that had four little kids. And, uh, so what they do is they sell these lights. They're about six bucks a piece, which is quite the fucking racket because they, they have all these people running around the park that, that try to scare you, right? And if you don't want to be scared, you can buy these lights that you hang around your neck for six bucks and they won't scare you if you have one. <laughs> but if you don't, you know, Fair game. Uh, so every kid that was with us, and, and there was five because we had one. We only had one of my kids with us and four of theirs. Everybody had one. My wife even had one. She was wearing one. Um, <laughs> and and still at the beginning, because at 6 o'clock, it's still light out. Right? It's really tough for them to see a light. Uh, especially it's like a glow stick. It's, not, it's an LED, but it, it looks like a glow stick. That's hanging on your chest. During the day, while the sun's out, how the hell are they going to see that from behind you? All right, so it's a poor design in the first place. Second, like I said, it's it's in the daytime. So there was a few times that, you know, the kids got scared. <laughs> One started crying, uh, you know, so. Were they, were they um, uh, sliding? Like uh, when I went, they were sliding on like these knee pads that made sparks and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So I didn't see any uh, like. That, but they did have, like, one of them had a shovel, you know, when you bang a shovel on concrete, it'll spark. Yeah. Uh, they were doing that. A couple of them had, uh, you know, bladeless chainsaws that, that they were firing up. Um, you know, so cow, like, one of them had a cowbell uh, that they'd ring, you know, sneak up behind you and, and ring it. 
uh, a couple yeah. of little things. So yeah, when I went, they had they're on like roller skates. Yeah, and they would just like slide up on their knee pads and like up behind you, scare you. And you can see like sparks flying stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of cool. I like it. I, I'm looking forward to going to um at some point. We want to do in the future the one at Universal. I heard that's really really badass. Yeah, I heard that one's pretty cool. But we'll have to wait a little bit on that one. You know, shit ain't cheap these days. Nah. <laughs> Unless you're trying to take the whole family down there. Uh, I mean, is anything cheap these days? Oh, man. Chris, did you change your sound setup? I'm saying it's the same. You sound a little clearer today. Nah, I didn't. Uh, I think sometimes you're on your cell phone. Maybe that's why. I'm on my cell phone right now. Oh, you are? Oh, well, then maybe yeah. it's the opposite. Uh, yeah, so, you know, my, my oldest just went down. She got in the Disney, um, Disney internship program. So she just went down there this past weekend as well. Uh, so she's hanging out. I think she, she called me from Epcot down there. They have the, uh, the food and wine festival going on. So she's like, I'm in Epcot right now, drinking some wine, eating some food. My wife's all jealous. Yeah, I heard, like, don't they have, like, their whole own village for all the Disney employees and stuff like that? They do. They do. It's like, uh, she's got a few roommates. I think it's, like, they put two to four of them in a room, and they stay. Yeah, it's, like, uh, this whole complex, and then they go work during the day, and then they allow them, you know, they, they don't have to pay to get in the park, so when they're in their off hours, they can go in any of the parks they want, anytime they want, which is kind of cool, especially if, you know, you got kids or, or whatever that are, Disney fanatics like mine. So, you know, hopefully you have a good time. She'll be there for seven months. I mean, sounds like the barracks to me. I know, right? <laughs> I told her, take these opportunities. You know, you're in your 20s. You know, do it. Why not? So, it was pretty good. And on the way back from, uh, from our, we did an overnight because it was, you know, it's about two and a half hour drive. And I think we ended the park at 1030. So I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not driving back. So we, uh, we ended up getting a hotel right next to the, uh, basketball hall of fame. So the next morning we woke up, went over there, checked that out and then, uh, hit up the outlets on the way home and finished up the rest of my Monday. So yeah, that, that drive to six flags is not that, not that easy. No. Nah, Mass Pike sucks. Yeah. Water country is worse. <laughs> the water country is all the way deep New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyone going up there, I try to avoid it. But, you know, there was an, one accident on the way up, and it cleared up. You know, it said initially it said we were going to be stuck in traffic for an hour, but it ended up being like 20 minutes. Wasn't too bad. But, you know, people in Massachusetts don't know how to drive, so. See that I mean that is a fact, but once you leave the state, people can't even drive even worse. Oh yeah, that's true. Fun fact: Massachusetts actually has the hardest driving test. I mean, I can I can see why, right? The streets suck around here. So if you're trying to do a driving test on the streets around here, you could drive anywhere. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it's just you know just What's the requirements. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. You'd never guess. Never guess by the jackass around here. That's good. But nothing. You do nothing other than would you just hang out and do, uh, I know you're working on some shit. You do nothing, nothing to, in your free time for yourself. Let's see. Working on different car. By the way, whoever designed the ABS module, the little ABS um, speed sensor, yeah. Honda Accords 2004, they should be uh, charged with war crimes. <laughs> Had to change it out, did you? Yeah. It was like this, t- it's a tiny piece, right? And, you know, it goes behind on next to read the, the speed of like the wheel bearing, how fast it's turning, whatever. But, it's a tiny piece, so it gets rusted in, 
when you try to take it out, it splits in half. Damn. No matter what. Like I look at YouTube videos, comments, forums, they all say it splits in half. So you essentially have to drill it out. So you have to take off your brakes, then you have to uh, take it off from, take off the axle and whatnot, and then you have to drill it out. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> so a simple job that should take like 20, 30 minutes turns into like an hour job. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I've been there with all the shit. I hate it. I'm not, I don't, I don't really like working on the car. There's a lot I can do. I just, I prefer not to. There's a lot I can't do either, but. Yeah. Too much. I mean, I mean sometimes it's better than going to a mechanic. It is, but good news for me is. The family I just told you that we went to uh, Six Flags with, yeah. The the father, he's yeah. uh he's a mechanic at Toyota. That's not too bad. So he hooks me up. He gives me a pretty good deal. Man, when are you gonna get that new GR Corolla? Man, you know I'm too cheap to buy anything. Uh, <laughs> I got the oh, money. No. For that. You'd look pretty sweet inside of it. <laughs> uh, mine's paid off. And I'm happy with that. You know, it's not giving me any problems, knock on wood. It's a Toyota. It should last me a while. Gets me to point A, point B. I'm good. I don't need no R8 or nothing. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> but the GR Corolla ain't no R8, though. I know that. <laughs> it's, it's I would call it the broke man's sports car. That's what I do with mine. I was like, oh, shit, I got the SE. I said this for sports edition. I'm good. Oh, it stands for standard edition. <laughs> oh man, it's it's uh it's a high tier. High tier looks it looks mean. <laughs> you got a what I got a one one eight in that? I think it's the engine. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think it's a one eight. Stupid. Ah <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway. What? That's a fuel efficient though. Yeah, that's that's really what I care about, right? Fuel efficiency and it's reliable. I don't give a shit what a car looks like. None of that. Not really into speed anyway. I'm more into comfort. You know? Oh no, I like my speed. I like comfort. You're kind of like a Cadillac guy, you know? Yeah, until the Cadillac breaks down, you gotta that quote is out of, <laughs> out of the planet. <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I ain't gonna be getting one anytime soon but that's kind of more my style speaking of that uh, you know it's funny you know I, was, I, I thought it was weird and it's kind of kind of a good segue into the, some of the topics we're gonna talk to talk about tonight and I know you know you probably know what I'm talking about uh, why is it that a lot of these these overseas especially Middle Eastern countries have a lot of Toyota pickups you talking about like the Toyota uh, Helixes yeah, like all, all over the place. Every time you, it's always Toyota pickups. Well, reliable. Um, you can slap a machine gun on top of it. <laughs> it can get shot and still run. So, <laughs> like always, yeah, man. It's crazy. I remember when I was over in, uh, in Saudi, all over the base. That's all you'd see was like, you know, Toyota pickups or, or there was, um, uh, they have Suzuki's, I think, these little Suzuki pickups. Yeah, it's crazy. Always white too. <laughs> Blows my mind. And I keep thinking about it. Every time I see these videos, watch all these videos, you know, you can't, can't, you can't miss them now, right? Especially the last few days all over the internet, all over the news, uh, the Middle East. It's always damn Toyota pickups. It's just the reliability. It's like, for example, people also love Toyota Highlanders, for example. Yep. My wife. Reliable. Reliable. Especially the older ones. They're expensive. Expensive to uh, repair here, but those things are, they'll last you forever. Hell yeah. I forgot which Toyota my friend has. It's an SUV, but he got it lifted, some big boy tires, nice exhaust. I guarantee you if like an apocalypse or something happened, <laughs> he's all set. <laughs> oh, and it's, uh, 
all the time four wheel drives. Man, I don't know why, but that sounds like to me, that sounds like something I can imagine Yoda driving around with. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know Yoda's in here. Tell me if that's something you got. I know you do. Oh <laughs> uh, shit. But anyway, uh, so it's crazy right now, right? Real crazy. This world, I don't know, man. You see, every time you turn around, I know for, you know, obviously for the last couple of years, been dealing with, uh, you know, Russia, Ukraine, and everybody's been focused on the money, you know, that, that U.S. is giving to Ukraine and everything. And, and, you know, before we, before we get into anything, obviously I want to, I want to just let anybody know that's listening live or, or listening to recording is, um, you know, this discussion that we're, we're, we're going to be talking about tonight isn't necessarily to take sides. Uh, it's not really something that I'm interested in anyway, uh, in taking any sides, uh, because, you know, when we, when we deal with any conflicts like this, foreign conflicts that, you know, the U.S. government's involved in or not involved in or anything like that, um, there's a lot more to it than the general public typically understands and you see it all over social media. I was watching it today and yesterday and, and, you know, uh, it's one story about this happening and another story about this. And they're saying, uh, you know, uh, protect uh, Israel, protect Palestine, blah, 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 blah. Listen, there are awful people everywhere in the world, just absolute pieces of shit that will do the worst things to people no matter where you go. I mean, even look at here in the U.S., there are people getting murdered and tortured and kidnapped every friggin' day, right? So when you put people in a box and you say, hey, you know, these people are horrific for doing this, it is specifically the people that are doing it. It is not the entire group of anybody. Uh, You wouldn't want everybody to lump all of us Americans in a box and say, because if we see what's happening in the streets of whatever, you know, pick a pick a major city, um, that we're all like that. Uh, we're not. Um, so when we look at conflicts like this, especially this one, because this one is extremely violent. I mean, uh, you know, Ukraine and, and, and Russia, obviously, that's that's a war between states, which is, is violent, has, you know, casualties as well. But this one, uh, with the amount of targeting and the amount of, uh, you know, civilian casualties is, is insane. Uh, but again, we're not, we're not here to talk about who's right or who's wrong as far as Israel versus Palestine. Um, they're both wrong, uh, in many cases, but they're both right, uh, in some cases. But as far as any targeting of civilians, that's no, uh, there's, there's no excuse for it ever. Um, it's just not. I mean, I mean, I don't really have to go too much into it. It's, it's horrific. It's gross. Uh, what, what anybody's doing, uh, targeting civilians, um, in the way that I'm seeing this shit happen. Uh, but I do want to talk, Chris, because I know we both, obviously we're both, uh, in, in crypto. I've been in crypto. We see the impacts of, of what goes on in the world, uh, and how it impacts the financial, uh, aspects. But, uh, a little bit more of a, a of a different take than a lot of people have is we both serve time in the military and we've seen how conflicts affect things from a different perspective. How how the government actually looks at it, uh, who's making money off of it, uh, and and really what it feels like to be kind of thrown in that mix, right? Uh, it, even if you don't want to be, right? When you volunteer for the military and you go serve your time, if a conflict breaks out, you're part of it whether you want to be or not. Um, and, and you might have a different feeling on it based on your time served. Uh, I'm going to stop there for a second in case you got anything you want to add to that. Well, I was going to, you can continue because I'm going to give like a brief overview of what we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah, so you can continue. No, all right. So, really, what I, I, I kind of want to make sure that we talk about today, uh, especially is like governments in general, because again, when you look at any government, the U.S. government, Israeli, uh, Palestinians, Ukraine, Russia, China, blah blah blah, list goes on and on and on. The majority of governments 
generally do not care that much about their citizens. I know that's shocking, right? They, they don't. You're a vote. You keep them in power. You keep them wealthy. Whatever they can manipulate you to do or guide you into their ideologies to do uh, is, is kind of their goal, which is unfortunate because that's not what governments were designed to do. But, of course, over the decades and centuries, uh, this is this is how we kind of evolved into that. Now, a lot of these conflicts have been going on for a lot longer than most of us have been alive, um, especially with these these religious conflicts. Uh, but when we look at how the governments like to pit each other, you know, pit, pit us against each other and, and, and put these ideas in our minds that either you have to support this or you have to hate this, you know, it's important to look at things from, um, again, uh, I, I want to make this clear. This has when when we're talking about the deaths of civilians and the and the intervention of of taken hostages or anything like that, uh, anybody that does that is wrong. So when you're looking outside of that, when it is a a combatant situation, military versus military, depending on where you live and your demographic, how you are raised, you are going to think one side or the other is the enemy, and you're the good guy. That's the natural way of doing things. So we grew up here in the U.S. Uh, we're kind of always told, you know, our allies or whoever is is always the you know the good guy and everything else. Uh, but again, governments generally don't care about that. They care about where the money's coming from. Uh, you know, you hear the the, the military industrial complex. Uh, you know, where where the money can be filtered to, um, and and what happens. In that kind of situation, right? There's a lot of money that gets generated, a lot of weapons, a lot of arms, uh, manufacturing, uh, you know, the raw materials to manufacture. In, in the old days, right, with uh, World War One, World War Two, uh, probably all the way up through maybe even the first Gulf War, uh, maybe the exception, I don't know, I'd have to look into it, maybe the exception of Vietnam War, uh, there was a lot of money being generated from war, a lot of money. Uh, now, now these days we fight a lot of proxies, so the money generally just comes right into the politicians and the, and the corporations' hands, and we don't see the impact as much. Remember, it used to cause a booming economy. Yeah. These days, not so much. It hurts us, but it inflates the pockets of the people that are running things. So, I'm gonna give a brief history lesson. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so. The first time I would say, well, I want to say the first time, but the biggest time that we saw a booming economy from war was after the Great Depression. Um, Great Depression, as we know, was just a horrible time for worldwide that basically just caused the economy to go to shit. People were starving. Um, this was post World War One. Just a quick history. Um, and then, World War II broke out, and that's when we really saw the economy boom, especially in America. Um, yeah. a, lo- a lot of things shifted gears from normal consumer goods to in, uh, producing military goods. So that's bullets, military textiles, um, food, oil, metal, especially metal, basically all that basically help boost this boost the economy and help get us out the Great Depression. Yep. From there, um Yeah, steel manufacturing call, was huge. Yeah. Because you know, ships and tanks, all that. Yep. From there outgroup the Korean War, the Vietnam War, and then all any other proxy war that was there to fight communism under the Cold War. Um, the Cold War itself was really boosting the economy because things like the space race, things like um, the proxy wars that America was, well, America may or may not have been um, involved with. Yeah, and like we Panama still- and the Cuban Missile Crisis and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we were still producing a lot, a lot of military stuff, but like you were saying, they weren't directly involved with America. We were selling them to the other countries and then getting that money back. 
the biggest proponent that we saw that a lot of people don't, I guess, don't remember is the Irani Contra scandal where America was found selling arms to both sides, essentially. Yeah. So quick history lesson. Um, America was selling fire, firearms to one side and then the money that they were using, well, the money that they got, they gave to the other side. And that basically opened a big scandal. What was this? 70s? 80s? I believe late 70s, maybe early 80s. I know it was before my time. Well, before my, <laughs> the time I remember, I was an infant, if anything. Because it was before Reagan, right? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. What well, dates aren't, aren't important right now, but that's just a, another example of how military and military operations, wars, whatever feeds the American economy. And as we know, the American economy is one of the biggest economy, economies in the world. So when America goes up, the world tends to uh, has a tendency of also going up. When America dips, the world has a tendency to dip as well. Um, yeah, and that was that was how it was. Now, what's happening now? Because with the dollar, right, and and you got uh, you know all these countries moving away from the dollar, right? Because a, a lot, uh, like most of the the free world, uh, used the U.S. dollar as a means to settle debt. Um, and a lot of other things as their baseline. And that's been changing over the last, at least the last year, if not two. Um, so that's having less of an impact across the world when the U.S. economy is feeling that, that pressure, uh, because they're moving away from that. Um, yeah. You know. And then following that, the next time we did see a boost in the economy for, from war is post 9-11. Yeah. Um, but in this modern time, there are really, I would say, really three main conflicts or potential conflicts. Well, I would say one of them is only potential conflict. Well, four, I should say. Um, so you have Ukraine, Russia, uh, Israel and Hamas, potentially Taiwan and China, and then also North Korea also constantly being a potential threat to the Pacific as well. Yep. Each of each one of each and every one of them would have the potential to boost the economy or boost military. It's called the military industrial complex in different ways, whether that's manufacturing of ammunitions and things like ammo, dummy rockets, javelins, wherever it may be. Another would be cybersecurity protection. The other would be um, more on the smart side. So, like, so like when I guess it's well, I'm not. A, see, now this is when we get in the gray area because now there's stuff that we can't, we still can't talk about, or I don't, I wouldn't, yeah, talk about even though if it's still. Public, let's just call it smart rockets that defend from other <laughs> missiles, incoming missiles. Um, and then each, like I said, each conflict basically has a opportunity to fund the military industrial complex in many different ways. Yep. Um, but, and like you were saying, they're all more than likely going to be proxy wars. There will more than likely not be American boots on ground unless it was a serious enough conflict. Um, so will we potentially see a boom from it? We don't know. But we do know these politicians are going to be inside trading with all these top defense contract companies to line their pockets with money. Oh, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Yoda. The uh, Iran Contra was 1985, so I was six. Uh, beginning oh, of Reagan's cool. second term. Yeah, and and that too, right? Look at even back then, right? Remember when um, when the U.S. 
supplied Afghanistan with a bunch of arms when they were uh, fighting with uh, the USSR at the time. Right. And then obviously that backfired because then, you know, fast forward, you know, a couple decades and we end up in a conflict with Afghanistan. Uh, and a lot of their weapons stockpile was, guess what? The weapons that we supplied them, uh, decades prior to. So, you know, this is, this is something that happens a lot in war and, and we've seen it. And, and anybody that pays attention knows that, uh, U.S. has a tendency through these proxies. Uh, and not just the U.S., but a lot of other countries, you know, especially the NATO countries, will supply weapons, uh, you know, and then eventually they'll, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it tends to go around in circles and those weapons will end up in the hands of either, uh, you know, combatants that we're either fighting with uh, or whatever. Um, and again, it's it's about money. And the problem is it's not about money for you and I. It's It's money for the people at the top no matter what country you're in. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, to touch a little bit back on on the, the crypto aspect of this, I think this is one of the most important features and most important aspects of, you know, crypto, whether or not you're a Bitcoin maxi or you, you love uh, any of the altcoins and DeFi and everything else. It's borderless, right? And it's controlled by the people. As long as we continue to allow it to be controlled by the people, the governments make everything messy and they make it about them, all of the governments. Uh, and you know, when you're, when you're looking at fiat, that's again, like we, you were just talking about, it's, it's controlled by things that they dictate, whether it's war, uh, peacetime, uh, oil production, manufacturing, whatever it want, whatever they want to fabricate. Uh, China does it all the time with fabricating the, you know, currency. They inflate it, they deflate it, they manipulate it all the time. Um, but that can't happen, uh, with crypto. Crypto is valued at whatever we say it's valued at. You know, you want to buy some, you want to sell some, whatever you want to do, you want to use it. Uh, you know, we maintain that control, whoever are the owners. And you're only an owner if you have your keys are the ones that are controlling it. Um, so. See, this will be interesting. Well, it would be interesting to see because this, I want to say it's the first, but I would say the whole world's on edge right now. Like, like multiple conflicts. Absolutely. Multiple potential conflicts. So crypto being so new this will be the first time to really see how it is affected yeah crypto was around during um afghanistan and all that but afghanistan didn't really have a heavy hit on the economy compared to other conflicts or what some of these potential conflicts can have yeah um and just just to clarify, like for example, if there was a conflict that happened in Taiwan, Taiwan is a big producer of silicon chips, so the tech market would take a hit. For example, oh yeah, um, Ukraine. For those people who know, they're a big uh, grain manufacturer uh, for the whole. Well, I won't say for the whole world, but for um, West Western Europe and parts of Eastern Europe as well. So when the UK and Russia war came out. There was a food shortage um, in a lot of those places. Um, yeah. When we were in the Middle East, a lot of the places in the Middle East where we get our oil, um, we saw oil prices go up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the trouble. Um, that kind of shit happens all the time, and you know these. These conflicts happen. If you can't tell, I'm, I'm a little fed up with government, um, just a little, uh, because of because of all the shit. I see it all the time, and it's it's really difficult to just sit there and ignore. But again, um, at what point can you do something? You see, uh, I'm going to call it the idiocracy that you see all all over the social media, uh, which again amplifies things, right? So I want to caution people to not take social media as uh, you know, as a, as a, a real 
sampling of a true sampling of either a society or of a community or religion or whatever it is, because things are amplified on social media, leave those in their own bubble, in their own pocket. You see some stupid shit on there. Uh, leave it to those individuals on, uh, on social media. Um, but what ends up happening is that stuff does tend to, uh, uh, to perpetuate an ideology when, when you're seeing it all over the place, whether it's on TikTok. Um, or, or on, on X or whatever it is, people start really buying into that shit. And I'm, I'm big. I'm, I'm big. And you know, this on, on freedom of speech and on, on the right to express yourself and everything else. And this is why people try to argue against it is because they see this kind of shit and they say, well, if it's going to, manipulate people to a point where now they're going to uh, try to cause harm or oppress a certain group or whatever, uh, then maybe it shouldn't be allowed. Um, I disagree with that, but I do, I do disagree with people trying to push that narrative. Uh, But again, you know, you got to be smart enough. You got to be, you know, do do your research on everything to kind of get around that, Uh, especially when it comes to this shit. Uh, there's so many videos floating around. There's so much information floating around about who's doing what. Um, you know, look into it. See what's really going on. We all know the media manipulates the shit out of things. The government's involved in manipulating things. Uh, make sure you you keep your own head and, and and make your own determinations based on facts that you can gather. Uh, the bottom line is this shit is a mess. Uh, I don't think this Israel and and uh, Palestine slash Hamas. Conflict is going to end anytime soon. Um, unfortunately, I think it's going to get bloodier before, you know, any kind of potential resolution somewhere comes down the line. Oh, no, this conflict, it's been going on since the 40s. Oh, absolutely. But at least there was periods of time, some fairly lengthy periods of time where it was, it never really ended. You're right. It never ended, but where it wasn't to this extent, like, it hasn't been this bad since like the forties. Yeah. Cause the forties is when it was funny enough. Cause I was doing research on it this morning. Funny enough. Um, the forties is when the British and I forgot what the group was. It's essentially the group that was formed after world war two for all the like Jewish survivors, refugees, stuff like that. And that's when they actually invaded Palestine. And that's, this is where, that's essentially where it started. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and, and you just mentioned the, uh, the documentary social dilemma. I've seen it. Um, and, and it is, it's, it's worth a watch. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, you know, especially if you're, you know, a skeptic, I'm definitely not a conspiracy theorist. By any means, but I am a skeptic, especially when it comes to, again, when it comes to governments or, uh, you know, the, the cooperation of massive corporations and, you know, all these entities that keep popping up global this and global that. And, um, you know, a lot of powerful people want to want to keep the rest of society in check and they do it through a lot of different means. Um, you know, don't don't let them. <laughs> Don't let them manipulate you. Uh, but this is this is the kind of thing that happens. I'm going on a little rant real quick, though. Oh, you you do you, man. So every morning, I like checking my news, seeing what's going on in the world, and you know, Edge it gives you the MSN tab and whatnot. Yep. So it's funny to me, but it's also a little aggravating to see as well as like. When you see any political post, it doesn't even have to be political at this point. It could be a random post about something. It's always, for in America's sense, it's always Democrats versus Republicans. Um, yep. But a lot of, well, a lot of these people don't realize it's, it's not Democrats versus Republicans, it's politicians versus everybody else. 100,000%. Um, if there were more people that realized that both parties are two sides of the same coin, I think the whole 
thing would be different. Um, the more people that realize that the bipartisanship system is just a corrupt system to pin people against each other, just like no, like what America is known for doing, just pinning people against each other, whether that's the race, politics, religion, anything, it keeps people divided. And people divided basically just weakens the, the, yeah, easier to conquer, easier to yes. control. Yes, like the biggest example is, which is backwards to me. Now, like seeing how backwards Massachusetts is, when the people banded together in Massachusetts, there was change. Yeah, we, we Massachusetts, the fa- the what was it, the founding place of America. Yeah, um, the the spirit of America. Yes. Is, is literally you, what the, the, the phrase is. Isn't there a family guy song off of that? Yeah, there is. Or an <laughs> American dad. It was family guy. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, my real right now. Um, but like the Boston Tea Party, when people banded together, there was actual change. The American, the, the I'll say no government wants that. It doesn't matter if it's the Canadian government, the British government, any government, they do not want their people banded together. There will always be some thing to separate the people. Um, yes, which is why another reason why they love conflict and war, right? I yeah. mean, look at the unfortunate events that happened around 9-11. What did that do? Right. That distracted everybody away from what whatever the hell the government was doing. And, you know, there was some shady because there's always shady shit going on. And it, it it banded the country together against a common enemy. Yes. That was foreign. And look how powerful. It was like, look how powerful. Another great example, the Boston bombing. Yes. Basically, the whole greater Boston banded together. It was thousands of cops on that manhunt, at least thousands. Yep. And I would say that's one of the quickest they ever caught a terrorist oh, in yeah. America. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. I remember watching that live on the TV when they found him in the boat. Yep. That was, I mean, Boston Sean for a reason. Yeah. But when the people band together, things shit changes or shit happens. Yep. But it it sucks because it's always some sort of unfortunate event that has to happen for it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's kind of their plan. And, you know, which is why I, you know, and if anybody's wondering, I am a registered independent uh, for that reason, because I, I feel like by, by getting forced into uh, any kind of cookie cutter, right? Like you can't be, you can't be one party or the other. And I, and I say this in general terms, right? You can't be one party or the other and have any kind of thought outside of that lane that you're supposed to stay in because you're that party, um, especially in the political sense, you know, when you, when you get into like the, the, the politics side of it, but as a general citizen, you know, sure, maybe, um, but, you know, again, I don't play that game because you're not pushing me into something if, that I may not d- agree with just because you're you're a quote unquote Democrat or Republican. Um, we see it all the time, especially in Massachusetts. It's, it's predominantly uh, one sided a party, even though we do have fairly good representation from both. But um, but again, like Chris had said, the division, whether it's through conflict uh, you know, all these conflicts around the world that the, the, the U.S. And, and, and the U.N. keeps injecting themselves in or whether it's um, uh, religion or race or classism, which don't even get me started with the classism thing, because I believe 90 percent of everything that we deal with in the U.S. that's classified as something else is, in fact, classism, uh, because it stems back to what you're talking about with the government versus uh, the common folk, the people. I mean, corporations, I should say, against us. Uh, that's all classism, right? They, they want to make sure that we stay in our lane and we stay 
needing them and we stay needing whatever support uh, that the government is quote unquote giving us. And then they can keep controlling the narrative Uh, that happens through financial means. All right. And it trickles into other things, whether it trickles into, uh, you know, race or it trickles into, um, you know, uh, religion and, and, and sex and all this other stuff. Uh, most of these problems at the root of it is classism, in my opinion. Yeah, I can agree with that. Also, I shared a picture on Core Team. If you want to share it on Twitch, you can. But I think it encapsulates um, that the Israeli and Palestine conflict in the, in the America point of view pretty well. Why don't you just describe it? I want to fuck it up by... On to switch it over to Twitch and post it on there. It's kind of hard to describe. Okay. Never mind. Go to our Telegram. Oh, wait, no, it's in... Oh, wait, where'd you put it? In the Discord? Core team, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. No, it's not, it's not that hard to describe. I mean, it's uh, it's all of the big players in the industrial military complex uh, yeah, but, dancing hey. around the, the, the a couple of monkeys that, that have... Uh, the Israeli and Palestine flag. Yeah, but the picture just makes it better. It does. It does. It's Simpsons, so it does make it better. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that yeah that pretty much describes it right there. Like, because we're going to see a boost, at least on the defense side of the economy, if we haven't already. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's another thing that was just posted in the chat, right? So at least that's one good thing about masks. They don't they don't force you to register in order to vote in one of the primaries. So if but you can only vote in one, obviously. So you, you can only vote in the Republican or Democrat primaries. But you can be registered. You don't have to be registered, nothing. Yeah. So at least we don't get forced into that. I hate that law. Some states you have to be registered one or the other in order to vote in the primaries. I just wish you can vote whichever party you want to. It's one ballot. Yeah, it'd be nice to see the independents actually have a chance at something. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. I think there might be, what, two or three independents in Congress right now. There's not many. So we actually do have someone who's running for president as an independent. He just... Yeah, Kennedy. He just, uh, yeah. He, yeah, he just dropped as a Democrat. I think yesterday. Yeah, which he might. I don't know if he. I don't know if he's, don't don't know if he's gonna run. Um, but Spike Cohen, and then also I don't know if Joe Jorgensen will be running it this year. Yeah. So the problem with it is funding, because the way it works, if you don't know this, the way it works in the U.S. anyway. And I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but in order to get on the ballot in each state, you have to raise a certain amount of money in each state. So that's the only way you can get on the ballot. So as an independent who doesn't have, um, you know, all of these entities raising funds for them and, and uh, you know, these PACs and everything else, it's really difficult for them to go state to state and raise that minimum amount in every single state to get on the ballot, which is why it's much easier for the two party system to continue down the road that it's going because again, they have all of these fundraising events and packs feeding the money and, and everything else so they can get their, their candidate on the ballot. Plus the debates, the televised debates, they don't invite independents. Um, you know, there's no independent debate, there's no primary, obviously. So, well, you know, I don't, I mean, I think it's that as well, but I think it's also the stigma behind it. Yeah. Cause a lot of people think, oh, if you vote, if you don't vote Democrat or Republican, my party is losing votes. Well, I mean, that's yeah. the premise. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the point of voting. Yeah. Like, I don't care about your your party. I care about my party winning. So I hope my party gets the votes, not yours. Like, people have this mindset of, if I'm not, if my party's not getting the votes, how am I going to beat the other party type of thing? 
Yeah. Like, if you're taking votes away from the Democrats, then we're not going to beat the Republicans. There's no we. Yeah. Also, well, I would say, um, what is it? Um, it's not, it's not unknown. It's, um, I don't have an affiliation to a specific party. Oh yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's not independent. It's just, I think it's just called unaffiliated. Yeah. I'm unaffiliated. Um, but last year I was hoping Joe Jorgensen would at least have a running shot, which she didn't do terrible as a registered independent, but she's a libertarian. So that helped a little bit. Yeah. But she didn't do too terrible last year. It was definitely better than what we've seen in previous years. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe in, in, in my kids or my grandkids lifetime, I might see a, see an independent, but it's, it's tough sliding out there. I was reading a couple books because, um, you know, as you know, at least I got involved in local politics. And at one point I did have aspirations to potentially try to do something on the federal level. Uh, but again, as an independent, I was reading some books on independence that ran and what they went through and how it was basically, they knew it was a losing battle going in, but uh, how much money that was spent and all that other shit, uh, it's futile, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it's tough. You really, really got to give it, you got to put everything into it. And, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to independence as well, what other, what people get afraid of is, you know, if you vote for, a certain party. They're supposed to follow certain ideologies, and if not, they get ostracized. Now, granted, you have people that stray from that, you know, like on the on the Republican side called rhinos and, and, and things like that, where they don't necessarily align with what they're, quote-unquote, supposed to being in that party. Uh, and I think that's what also makes people afraid of independence, because if you're... If you align yourself with one party and you go in there and say, because there's so many people that do this shit, they're like, I don't care. I'm not watching debates. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to vote all blue or all red right down the line. Because they know that for the most part, those people are at least are going to align with what they believe or they think they believe for the most part. With an independent, you don't know that. Right. They can say things and they can do whatever, but you don't really know because, again, they're an independent. So you really have to pay attention to see where they stand on the issues, which I love because I, I like doing my research. I love watching people talk and seeing where they stand. Uh, but you can't blindly do that with an independent because you never know. Yeah, because they can be more conservative or they can be more liberal. Yes. And you won't know unless you listen to them. And re, and then you got to take their word for it, obviously, as well, which we all know politicians, that's not something you can take lightly. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I do get it, but, you know, it, it's, it's tough. And then you even look at this stuff right now that's going on. Um, like you said, it, it, two sides of the same coin, you know, look at it. And I don't care. I don't mind saying it. I, I'm, I'm against most of the the funding that the government's doing, throwing money at at Ukraine. Um, I do believe that the there's support that's needed for people that are involved in this, civilians. I'm not a cold-hearted bastard. Um, I want to make sure that people are taken care of, the right people. Um, I'm not interested in and in taking care of people that are just looking to increase their net worth. So... Blindly throwing billions of dollars at a country is not something that I align myself or agree with, uh, especially when there's no audits being done. There's no trail of where that money's being spent or going. Uh, but I don't want to get a tan on a tangent on that. But where I was going with that was if you look at who supports that, a lot of people are like, well, it's bipartisan. Yeah, it is, but it's not really. <laughs> you know, they're just showing exactly what you said. They're showing to the public how they're both two sides of the same coin where they're looking for money for themselves and how it's going to benefit themselves and everybody else around them. Yeah, because they're more than likely doing insider trading. Yep, insider trading, potential kickbacks, all that other good shit. Getting lobbied. Yep. I mean, I'm... 
I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not opposed to America being more um, xenophobic, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> because when America, so World War II, with World War II, um, America was super xenophobic. Yeah. But at the same time, that was one of our strongest economies. Yeah. So you gotta, so you gotta look at it at the same time. Like, I'm not saying completely close off everything, but we have to take care of our own people first. Well, perfect example, right? I'm, I'm a charitable person. I know you are as well, but you wouldn't take food out of your own kid's mouth to give to somebody else. Yeah. You're going to take care of your family first, make sure that they're well fed and taken care of. And then you're going to help other people out. That's, that's really what it comes down to. It should be no different when you're talking about, you know, uh, any country you live in, whether you live in the U S or UK or, or Russia or wherever the hell you live, it should always be about your people first that are paying the taxes that are, are working the jobs and, and doing everything else they need to survive. Then when they're doing good for themselves and they're doing it, then you, you always find some way to take care of other people at a rate that is allowable without crippling the people that are living in your country. Seems simple, <laughs> but you know, see if crypto can take care of that, which is also why, you know, you see so many people that are adamant, like pay attention to who's adamant about being against crypto. Uh, we got one right here living in our backyard. Goddamn Elizabeth Warren. I cannot stand that lady. Nothing that comes out of her mouth is worth the shit, in my opinion. Was isn't she insider trading too? She was found out insider trading. Of course she was. Of course she was. The amount of money that she has. She was a was she a professor and then went into politics? Like, come on, multimillionaires. Come on. Yeah, no politician should be a millionaire in my book. No. Now I get it. If you if you're running businesses or whatever the hell else you had on the side when you were, you know, running and but yeah, how all these people that were either attorneys or uh you know, whatever. There was some kind of lawmaker or whatever. They some of them were politicians their whole life. They went from their, their local city council to state to federal. And somehow they're worth tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm going to tell you, state and federal jobs they don't get paid much. Even the state legislator, because again, I looked into this. It's it's like $80,000, I think, to be a mass, anywhere between sixty and 80000 to be a mass state legislator, uh, whether you're on, um, you know, uh, somewhere, somewhere in the state uh, Congress or whatever. But yeah, it's not much money. And then obviously you get stipends for travel and if you're on different boards and all that. But I think like when I looked it up, the highest paid uh, legislator in the state of Massachusetts was just over 100000 And that was with stipends and everything. That was their yearly. Yeah, and then... It's not a lot of money when it, you know, when it comes down to it. Yeah, because when they become these politicians, especially these quote-unquote bigger politicians, then people are paying them for talks. For some reason, they like writing their books and then sponsorships and stuff like that. Yeah. I think, I forgot what the study was, but for the president, most presidents don't make their lifetime money as the president. They make it after their term. Yeah. Yeah. From the book deals and whatever the hell else they're doing out there, but you know. Getting buttered up for, uh, what, what is it? Presidency, um, nominations and whatnot. Oh uh, yeah. Talks. They get paid like millions of dollars to go talk somewhere. Yeah. Anybody want to pay me millions of dollars to go talk somewhere? Just give me a call. Give me a call. I'm willing to do it. Shit, I'll do it for like a hundred dollars. Just give me a call. <laughs> yeah, you probably do it for free. Uh, no, man. I don't know. Maybe they got to buy me Subway or something. Maybe some lunch. Buy you, buy you a Big Mac. <laughs> wait, 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 side note. You see the new sauces that they got at McDonald's? 
I, I yeah, I kind of see it. I was there not too long ago. I seen it. I, I'm tempted to try it because it's like it's like strawberry jam and different stuff like that to yeah. dip your nuggets. Yeah, it could be all right. I like honey, so I do like I, and pure honey. I like dip my nuggets in pure honey. I think it's delicious. See, I only like real honey, straight from the farm. Okay, fancy. Yeah. It's good for allergies. Nah, I know. I know. Unfortunately, I don't think McDonald's honey is, is that pure. No. But it's still all right. It's still good. For all the people who are listening to know what I meant by that is if you go to your local farm, for people who have seasonal allergies, if you go to your local farm, it has to be your local farm, and you get fresh honey from there, it's known to help with allergies. It has to be your local honey because, you know, you're in the local area. You're breathing that local pollen, whatever it may be. So it just helps get your body accustomed to everything. I did hear something about that. Yeah. I don't have allergies, so I never really tried it, but I did hear some things, good things about that. All right. And the last thing I want to say, because we are just past 930, is, uh, you know, when it comes to anything, when it comes to you know uh, border border protection. When it comes to you know immigration, anything like that, I get it. America was built on immigration, out of a different means of immigration, but I get it. And I never. I'm also I'm a humanitarian to a point, like we had just discussed. So I I do understand the the will and the need to to help people, but. It is more beneficial, and I don't mean by throwing money blindly at other countries or at any, uh, even in your local neighborhoods and all that other stuff. It is more beneficial to help build up that community, that city, that state, that country, than it is to allow more of them to come in to our country and put a burden on our economy or any country, for that matter, put a burden on that economy and that re- their resources. It is way more beneficial to, you, you heard the saying before, lead a horse to water, right? And, and that's the way things should be handled. It's not, I know that, uh, because there's reasons that are above us that do not benefit the people at the top as much. But if they want to put the resources to work, put the money to work, put whatever to work, do it in the other countries and help build up their economy. Therefore, they won't have a need or a want to migrate to other countries. Is it easy? No. Will it happen in a year or two? No. It'll take potentially decades to happen, but that's how it should be handled. That's how you do it. Uh, this shit ain't going to work. Man, how are you going to say that when that leads to a whole nother topic? It does, bro. I'm just going <laughs> to leave it at that. If you want to add a little on it, well, you say what you got to say before we end the show. You go ahead. Otherwise, you got something else to say. You say it. Uh, maybe we can talk about that some other time when Paul's around. I was going to say the American immigration system is a joke. Not talking about particularly, particularly the borders, but the process to actually get just a visa or permanent resident card or even become a naturalized citizen. It's an absolute joke. Most, um, helped my mom do it. Like when I was, you barely even 10. Yep. And some of those questions they were asking, most Americans won't even be able to answer it. Like if I asked American who said, who said, uh, give me liberty or give me death. They wouldn't know. Hell no. <laughs> no, no. And I did hear that, uh, that some States, I think I may, I may be mistaken. So don't fact check me on this, but I thought some States were looking at, Doing the, uh, the immigration test as a graduation requirement, which I think is a fantastic idea. And I'm also a big proponent of serving your country and getting a citizen. And I'm not just talking about military. I'm talking about whether that's Peace Corps, military, Maritime Corps, anything. If you are working like at, at a federal corps job, you should be able to get at minimum your permanent resident card. Because yep. I say this because there's some cases of people who serve their country. Like, there's actually a pretty recent case about this. Um, I think it was Mexican descent. 
served in the Marine Corps, I believed, got out, and then he got deported. Oh, damn. Yep. And then he got picked up by the cartel. Holy shit. I thought that was... Wait, served in the U.S. Marines? Mm-hmm. I thought that guaranteed you citizenship. So there was like like some weird loophole or something that he didn't get his U.S. citizenship. Did he finish he his term or did he, did he get out he early? Finished, he finished his term. No shit. Yeah, oh, man got deported. That sucks. Good way to end the show, Chris. On a high note like that. No. <laughs> you got anything else? Nope. I'm all set. All right, good. Well, we did talk about a lot of shit tonight. Um, you know, real quick, obviously we have uh Finney Friday this Friday. I don't think Paul's gonna be back for it. He may I don't think so. I think he told me he's not going to be. Um, but we still we'll go for Finney Friday this Friday at eight thirty PM on X slash Twitter for the spaces. Uh we'll be doing the games and stuff afterwards. You just have to bear with me, uh, because I will be running, you know, everything if Paul is not around. Uh so I'll do my best. And uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes for the giveaways and games and all that good stuff. But uh, we'll have some updates for you. We'll see uh, what we can come up with uh, for, for you know, some updates. I know you guys like to hear about where we're at. Um, and we'll definitely provide that. I've been working my ass off with the CPA for the last two weeks. Um, and uh, I'm so excited to be closing that out. I think tomorrow we're doing the report. So uh, that'll be good. Well, I appreciate everybody for stopping by and listening to another Affinity Protocol. I do want to say a, a final thank you to Bo and everybody at the DV Radio staff. Check them out as well. Go to dvradio.com. I hate to be the one that corrects Chris, but it's dvradio.net, N-E-T, dvradio.net. They are a group of veterans that do a lot of great things for veterans. Uh, so check them out. They do a show called Barracks Talk every Saturday night uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, again, we'll be here in two weeks. The show, Affinity Protocol, is every other Tuesday. So we'll not be here next Tuesday, but the following Tuesday we will. You can check us out also on Spotify and a bunch of other places where you listen to your podcast. Just search DV Radio because we do fall under them because they host us. So search DV Radio on Spotify or any other podcast uh platform that you like look for affinity protocol and listen to all of our past episodes i believe there's like 40 of them i don't even know uh <laughs> but anyway that's going to do it for us tonight we appreciate it we all we hope you all have a great week and we'll see you next time hit us up on facebook and twitter